Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. I got a problem. Yeah? You were just at my house recently and you saw like my big bookshelf of games. Yeah. Like yeah. those games are not playing themselves. Like, no. <laughs> how do I, how do I get more of these games to the table? Can we talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about that. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts who has a rather impressive pile of to-be-played games, Phil. And I am your other host who also has a pretty tall stack of to-be-played games, Senda. <laughs> so for today's episode, we got this question from Alice Kira. Hey, Phil and Senda. I could use your help with something. Uh, so these three shelves are my games, at least the ones I have physical copies of, not to mention all of the PDFs I have on my computer. And I'm sure that you could relate that I've played maybe one or two percent of the games that I have. And it's not that I don't want to play them. It's just that you got there's the time and energy to read the book and get a sense of how to run the game finding people who want to play, scheduling. There's just so many hurdles. Um, do you have any advice on how I can play more of the really, really cool games that I have and the ones that I don't have yet that are still out there waiting to be played? I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. So great topic, um, a topic that I think a lot of us who, especially if you're active in backing games on Kickstarter, and even if you're not, um, and you're just, you know, actively collecting role playing games, this is always a challenge, right, is uh, how to kind of get everything that you buy, or back on a Kickstarter to the table, there are a lot of great games. Um, even more so, I think, in the last 10 years than there have been beforehand. Like there's just such a proliferation of of publishing and things like that, that there are more games than we can conceivably play. Right. Yes. If you are a if you are a um, avid reader, a fan of books, um, you already are um, familiar <laughs> with this um with this problem, because there has been a proliferation of great books to read for Such some time. Good books. But there's a challenge here, right? When it comes to reading books, you just need the book In yourself myself. and some yes. time. Yes. But that's not true for role playing games, right? Role playing games are often, not always, often. So we're going to just immediately, by the way, I'm going to immediately slide all single player journaling games to the side because yes. the answer to how to play more single player journaling games is to carve yourself out some time and play them. Yes. Take those away. How do you play the more, um, I don't want to say traditional, but how do you play the standard kind of role playing game, the default one where there's a GM and some group of players? Or no GM, but just requires more than one person. Correct. Right? How do we play those games? How do we play the games that require scheduling? Yeah. So I'm going to say <laughs> for sure, right? I'm going to say for sure that this is also a problem that I face because um, 
I have many, many games on my shelves that I would love to get to the table that I have not yet. And for various reasons, like some of them have just been they have not come up in the rotation. Some of them are the players I'm playing with don't necessarily want to play certain games that I am interested in, i.e. cartel. Mm-hmm. I have a subset of my gaming group who will just not be interested in playing cartel because they don't want to play bad guys. And I have another group that would be totally interested in playing cartel. They're just not a one group. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, not, they're not a merged group of people with no, a schedule. That they're people from two different play groups who would do yes. this. And I like can't blow up two play groups to make a play group. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> there's that problem. Yes. Um, and then there's just ones that like, man, I bought them because I bought them or backed them because they were interesting. And I just there's no time to play them. Yeah. To be clear, you are currently running what right now three games four games a four, lot of four games. games if we're counting children of the shroud yeah you have to count children how could you not count children Correct. of the shroud um yeah that's a lot of games hilariously here's the I problem though only the, one of them is not cortex Prime. that's the problem <laughs> that's right the problem. the problem is i'm running three <laughs> cortex games and cyberpunk red like right i could potentially be running three different systems four but different systems but i'm not <laughs> yes. i don't know if i could actually run four systems like that seems like, like simultaneously that that seems, seems, a, seems a like a lot brain breaking but yeah um no the the really interesting thing to me is um and and so this is just kind of my perspective on it um as the one shot girly is when i was doing she's a super geek and had an urgent reason to schedule a new game one shot on a monthly basis I played a lot of games and now that I don't do that anymore, I'm like, boy, I don't play all these games anymore. How am I going to play all these games? So it's very interesting to me to talk about this because I think that it will potentially impact me personally as well. So So one of the things I want to... I've taken some steps, right? We're on the path. Sorry. One of the things I want to note here is that um, in early, she's a super geek. Yes. You all ran the games. Yes. But then and it was learned, a lot of work. <laughs> but then learned it was far easier to play the games and let the designers run the games. Um, and then therefore you could play more games, right? So smart, right? Smart. Right. Because it, it required a certain amount of uh podcast heft to get to the point where that was a um mutually beneficial relationship, right? Yeah. And so let's kind of touch on um, what Alice identifies as the challenges to do this, right? Because there's a couple challenges here and there are some ways to mitigate them a little, but they're real and that you can't just get them to go away. So here are a couple of challenges. The first one is somebody has to learn the game. Somebody has to, whether it has a GM or not. Correct. Somebody has to know how to play. Yeah, has to know how to play to explain it to everybody. (laughs) Right, which means that somebody has to sit down, read the book, and ingest enough of it to be able to help everyone else play. Typically, right, not always, but typically in a game that has a GM, the person who sits and reads the game is the GM, right? Yeah, because they may have to do some prep. Yeah. So that's so that's the first problem. Now, off the top of my head, right, the mitigation to this is if you play games with similar systems, 
you can reduce this problem. Like if I was to run four different uh, powered by the apocalypse games, that would not be terrible. Right. Because once you understand the philosophy of how to run a powered by the apocalypse game, each game is really just learning what are the special bits to this game. Right. And each one has their own like little special stuff. Masks has their damage system, um, you know, those kinds of things. And so if you you know, if you were like, okay, I want to play a bunch of powered by the apocalypse games like that's okay because, you know, you can speed through because you have a base mechanical mastery. Same thing if you're playing like year zero games, right? So Tales from the Loop, Aliens, um, uh, Vassin, and a few more, right? Um, I'm forgetting them. But anyway, the Tales from the Loop group, those that are based on the year zero engine, they all have roughly the same system with their own like little special bits. And once you understand how to run one of them, figuring out how to run the rest of them uh, falls in line. Yeah. Or, and, and it means that you have to do less um, super study work to pick up that kind of game, right? Like this is, this is why, and we joke about it a lot, um, but just in a really real sense, right? This is why, I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll run fourth edition. And I had never read the fourth edition books, right? I had played in a fourth edition game. I had listened to a bunch of a fourth edition podcast and I had a feel for like how some of the stuff had shifted. And I had, you know, basically memorized the three, five D&D books from like cover to cover, right? So I was like, it's a D20 game. I can run this and pick out this. When we hit a thing that's different, then we'll, do that different thing. Also 100% true during the D20 era that you could just, yeah. you know, D20, D20 modern D20 versus mutants and masterminds versus D&D. Were they different? Yes. Were they very different? Eh, not eh. that much once you learn the the kind of intricacies. The challenge here is if you want to play a bunch of very different games. Which, right? which as polygamerous people, this is maybe probably why you're asking this question. <laughs> sure. There's a challenge, right? Because now a challenge. Each, each system requires learning and mastery. Yeah. Okay. The good news is if you have, and I've seen some of um, Alice's bookshelf, right? Oh, yeah. I saw it, the, the video. That bookshelf it, looks a lot like my bookshelf. Yes. Which also means that there are some short ones in there that are like zines and stuff, which does make it easier because yes. sometimes it's easier to fly through or when you don't have a lot of um, time to pick something up before you play a game. Those little, those little um, zine RPGs that you picked up during Zine Quest, um, A plus, right? (laughs) So that's the first hurdle, right? First hurdle is learning games. Uh, The next one that Alice mentioned was getting a group organized. Um, I don't think that that's any different than getting any other group organized. Um, You need players, you need other people to play the game with. Maybe, and this is the trick, if you're playing a lot of different games, maybe your gaming group is interested in those games. Maybe they're not. So maybe you have to go recruit other people. That can always be a challenge. 
So where I actually had really good luck with this for a long time, um, and unfortunately this group has sort of melted because people moved away and schedules changed and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like life, life happened, right? But for a while, there was the golden age of Senda and the Game Boys. And what made this group amazing, and I'm, I'm saying this from the perspective that I think there are pieces of this that you can approach intentionally in building a group, is that this group was intentionally created to play one shots and short campaigns of many different games, right? Like that was the intention from the beginning. That was the group that was recruited was we want to play many different games. That was the whole idea from the start. Um, And then secondarily, that was a group of people and this happened to be sort of by circumstance. It wasn't part of the initial um, creation, but it was a group full of people who all also GM'd. Um, so I think I think pretty much everybody in this group ran a game at one time or another, right? Like we literally, um, when we came to the end of a game, we'd be like, cool, what do we want to play next? Or who is excited to run something next, right? And then we would be like, awesome, that game that you're excited to run sounds great, let's play it. And what that does is it makes it so that one person is not responsible for learning all the games. You're not always in the hot seat, but you get to play way more games, right? So um, setting up a group with the intention from the beginning, saying to people, um, I want to set up a group that meets on a regular schedule, you know, whatever that is, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, like whatever that looks like for your schedule. For me right now, it's like every three months, right? <laughs> like, yeah. um, but whatever that looks like in terms of being able to collect those people together and setting up that group with the expected expectation, expected expectation, wow, with the intended expectation that you will be playing multiple games. Firstly, there, there, there may still be games that people aren't into playing, right? But if you go into it with the specific concept, like we're going to play many games, then you're more likely to get people who are open to more games, right? And then secondarily focusing on like, and we would like to have a rotating GM seat, which eases the burden of learning the games on a single person, but also means that you just have more people working on more stuff and you just pass that around. So I don't know, for group construction, to me, for solving this problem, I think those are two really important points, if that makes sense. Yeah, and actually, then, yeah. go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> okay. No, <laughs> you actually touched on the thing that I was going to say, right? Like under potential solutions, right, for how to play more games, um, one solution is to form a gaming group whose sole intention is to do this, right? Yeah. So the, in, the idea would be everybody in the game group is a GM. Yes. Right? Um, or if not everybody, most of them are a GM. Oh, more, that, more than one person for sure. Right. So here's how I would do this, right? I would get a group of people together and I would say, okay, look, of um, there's five of us here. Um, we're all capable of GMing. And um, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to pick five games in our session zero, zero, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> this is our group formation session. We're going to settle on five games that we would all like to play short campaigns of short campaigns being um, two to three stories, right? Yeah. And what I would say is, okay, look, we're going to pick them all right now. And we're going to pick who's going to GM each one. 
right? So great, Chris, you're going to, you're going to do apocalypse keys and, you know, send a, you're going to run this and I'm going to run cartel and whatever, whatever. And we all like line up and get our games. And then the first person who will have the most um, pressure on them will get their campaign, will get their game up and running and start running it. In the meantime, everyone else in the group learns their game right and gets their game ready and then we play out the first campaign and when we're done we're like cool which of the which of the remaining four of you are ready to pick like ready to go with their campaign and then the next person jumps in and then the next person and in the meantime if we're really committed to this idea the people who have finished could go um, start the next pick one. new yep. games like the group mm -hmm. could decide on a new game and we could you know pick up that game and then that way what we're doing is that we're basically creating this backlog of uh, people who are going to people who are going to run games we're going to run them in short form like we could do one shots but for all the effort that we're putting in I, I really am a fan of short campaign because I really think um unless the game is specifically designed for a one shot short campaigns, um, let them breathe and shine a little. Yeah. Right. A little bit more like, cause you just don't always get to do everything in a one shot for a game that's built for campaigns. No. And I, and, and you can put a time, you know, constraint on that because you, you can also say, you know, um, we're aiming for about X number of sessions, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody gets, you know, two to five sessions yeah whatever, whatever it is frequency it, based on number of gms based on whatever based on exactly. your pacing of scheduling and how fast you want to try and get through stuff yeah 100 percent, right so that is for me that would be um that would be to purposely create a group whose sole purpose is to do this right yeah um, I, it's pretty successful actually in my experience even though my group when we were doing that we weren't meeting super often so uh, frequently those four to five session games were lasting as a couple of months right and even if that's fine like again but the we duration, went through a lot of games yeah yeah the duration is really not as important as the idea that like look everybody runs everybody learns a game yeah right okay so that said um, I think that's one way to handle that, right? Because what it does is it has one committed group. It divvies up the number of games that have to be learned over the group, which means it's not a burden for any one person to learn a bunch of games, but it gives everybody a chance to experience the game. Now, there may be certain games you want to run versus that you want to play, and you're going to have to, you know, figure out like, oh, I want to take this one because I really want to run it. And some other games you're going to be like, oh, I would be happy just to play in this game. Yeah, don't care. Right. I'm good as long as we get it to the table. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, that like, I think that is a perfectly fine way to do that from an at home, grow it yourself uh, yeah. perspective. I will mention another way to do this is to become part of a gaming community. And specifically the one I'm thinking of is Open Hearth. Yeah. So Open Hearth, which was formerly the Gauntlet, um, is a fantastic online gaming community. So one large pool of people. Yes. Someone will be interested in that game. Two, it is a group with a culture of running games online. Yes. So they're all accustomed to it. And it means that you can pull people in from various time zones, states, countries, etc. Which means that the chance that your game, your game is going to get populated or that you can jump into a game that somebody's running is very high. Yes. 
And because you have that many people running so many different games, the chance that you will find the games that you want to play in or when you put up a game that you want to run that you'll get players is very high. Yes. Um, And again, I can only speak about um, Open Hearth because it's a community that while I'm not um, fully active in, I have kind of a couple of toes dipped into that community and I have done stuff with them before and I really like that community. There are, of course, other gaming groups and other communities that um, one can participate in that are like that. I just don't know what they are. Um, But they and I'm sure in the OSR, there's a group like that, too, or whatever. Um, And for all I know, Open Hearth has an OSR um, arm of it as well. But whatever it is, you probably can find an online group. And then what you can do is basically just kind of do what we talked about before, but do it with the online community and just like pick games that you want to try out. um, Those kinds of things. Yeah, and just put them up um, or look for other games that you are interested in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's just bigger pool of people. Yeah. My my biggest problem right now, what is really, um, what is really, well, no, it's not time. What's <laughs> no? really killed the ability for me to move through games is that um, over the last couple of years, I've had really stable games. Yeah, you you do actually have very stable games. That's I mean, not true for me, but I've been playing more and more one shots as my timing and scheduling has been going off the rails for me. So, yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, the problem I'm having is right. Like our, um, our, for the, um, for the long, long live the queen. I know not Alex Roberts game, our game, (laughs) our long live the queen game is over a year old. Yeah, I know. So we're not churning through a bunch of other games right now. No, and when we and well, when we started it, we did start it in Thirsty Sword Lesbians. We just discovered that in an evolving way, that right. wasn't the story we were trying to tell. Right. Um, mostly, I was point, just excited by women with swords, and I was like, "Let's play the women with swords game." And then we discovered that this wasn't a story so much about women with swords. <laughs> right. But we're not even churning through games. Like we're no. not even trying to play other games at this point. Right. So no. that's so so that means that that's one whole campaign of um, that's one whole campaign where we're not playing anything new. Yeah. And, and my ox, ox game is like at 18 months. Yeah. That's you, going to turn over in the next yeah, like say, couple, like in the next month or so by January to a conclusion. But. Yeah, by January, we'll start a new game. But for right now, like, I mean, that's 18 months that I also didn't play anything new. And I came off of a year plus of Knights Black Agents. And don't get me wrong. Don't boohoo me because I had a whole bunch of long, successful campaigns. That you ended, right? Like you played them from the beginning all the way to the end. Just to be clear, which still to me, I'm like, holy cow. You played the game from like a long time and you ended it. Yeah, I'm not boohooing that, right? But what's happened is. I'm in a phase of my gaming where it's even harder to play a bunch of games. Because you're playing long form games specifically. And they're lasting, right? Like when you play, when you're trying to play campaigns and you're just like your campaigns aren't working. You you, still go through a lot of games. You go through a lot of games, which was a thing that I used to do all the time. But as things stabilized, it's the... um, it's the other edge of that sword. Like, oh, I now have a successful campaign. Well, now you can't run other games in that time slot because. Yes. You, you, this is still going and it's working. Yes. Yeah. So that's um, 
that's a that's a challenge, right? Like I, I did like when there was a time in my life where I played a whole bunch of games, but none of them were like long form. We would just, you know, play them a little and they'd either fall apart or play them a little. We'd get bored and play something else or whatever. And it was like, okay, but like I, you know, couldn't really get into like the deeper storytelling, the bigger plot reveals and stuff like that, which over the last couple of years, I've really been able to do, which is great, but also comes at the cost of now I'm not playing, playing a bunch more of games. games. Yeah. And again, this goes under the assumption that you have a finite amount of time to play games that you're not independently wealthy um, and have friends who are independently wealthy that can just meet whenever. When I retire. Oh, boy. When I retire, boy, where, I will where? have like many, like, I don't know if I will have many more campaigns or we will just play like every couple days kind of thing. Yeah. Cause yeah. that is, um, Cause why not? Like, because time will become my, um, every I will become the, the master of time. Every day. That's what my parents always tell yes. me. Every day, will become, <laughs> every day, every day is, is the weekend. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so I think those are like, that's really the challenge. And I think really... I think what we're talking about here is in order to be able to play more games, you are going to need more people to help you play those games, whether it is your group or whether it is an online group, uh, you need to divide and conquer. Yeah, that's that's I think the best that's advice the, we can give is yeah. divide, divide and, conquer. and conquer. Yeah. And if you want to do it yourself. Right. So just uh, that final thing, like if you are the only GM in a group um, and you're like, boy, would I like to play more games? Then my best advice to you is play related games. Yeah. Uh, because String them together. Yeah. Right. Like play a bunch of PBTA games in a row, because honestly, the speed at which I can learn a PBTA game having you know, been experienced and played a bunch of PBTA games is very fast. I, yeah. It's not the same as learning a whole different system. Yes. When I mean, I literally will start reading the book. I will look through the playbooks. I will find the new bits, right? Whatever yeah. those new bits are. Yep. And then I look at the, you know, principles, agendas and moves. And I'm yep. like, okay, like, okay, we got this. Let's go. I can start this game. We'll pick up mastery of the rest of the system as we go. Yeah. And that could be a weekend. Like yes. I can knock that out a weekend, but Easily. right now, like if you handed me, like I have sitting on a shelf and I very much want to play it as Twilight 2000, like I'm going to have to go to basics on that, right? Like I'm yeah. going to have to sit down and open all the books and read <laughs> and learn. And we're going to have to play one or two sessions that are going to be clunky where we're going to be fumbling through books, all of that stuff. Like that will not go fast. If I had jumped from Knights Black Agents to another um, gumshoe game. Yeah. Very easy. quickly. Like yeah. if I, if we had just jumped into, um, oh, I don't know, any one of the other ones, Mutant, Mutant City Blues was the one that I've always had my eye on. Yeah, we probably very quickly could have, you know, I could have picked that game up and run it um, based on previous mechanical expertise. Now, the problem for me is with Recall is that games that I've played a few years ago. They're gone. Are not necessarily they're here gone. anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're gone. Like they might show up again when I start Maybe. reading. Yeah. Might, might not. Which is um, like that whole thing of like I read third edition D D in college, and that one apparently is gonna live in my head for forever. But like games that I played even for months in like 2019, uh, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> can I play a Forged in the Dark game again? Probably. Do I remember it well enough? No. I mean, I think if I started reading it, it'll start to come back to me. But like, I am just not one of those people who's like, oh, I ran Marvel superheroes in the 80s. I can just pick up the book and play again. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. 100 I'm 100% not that person. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else on this topic? No, I think that's pretty much it. Um, Because, and also, I think the one other thing we can say about this topic is, um, these are, these are the the theories that we have, obviously, that um, some of which we are trying to actively act on, at least I am (laughs) trying to, trying to get that back. Um, But uh, this is a problem that I think Phil and I both have too. So if you have more additional ideas out there in the Slinger land, like let us know, uh, cause there's more stuff that we might not have thought of and maybe we need to hear it too, uh, to help us I, out also. <laughs> I will say this and this will probably elicit some boos and hisses from <laughs> corners of the community, Oh, <laughs> but because of this, Right. Because of um, the limitations of time, um, because of the challenges of getting games to the table, um, I don't back every Kickstarter that comes along now. No. And let me be clear. I will back a Kickstarter that I'm interested in if I look and it's not backed. Right. Like if it's struggling or whatever, Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, let me help this get to the goal line. Yeah. But if it's like, for instance, a free league game that, you know, backs in 12 oh, seconds. Like, we know that they're not going to have any trouble. They're right, going to be so, okay. Yeah. So then I'm like, mm, do I need to back this game? Right. And then it becomes a decision of is what is listed in the backing, like the combo or, I, you know, stretch goals, whatever, interesting enough to put money on. And the answer for some games is yes, right? I will definitely back some games. Um, But other games, there are times where in the last couple, like last year or two, where I've looked at it and I'm like, this game is backed like 150% on day one of the campaign. I have no idea if, if slash when I will ever get it to the table. Yes. I... Am not going to back this game. If if it somehow my players take an interest, I will go buy it and and get it, and that'll be fine. And I know that's going to sound terrible because like oh we should back everybody's game or something. But the truth is, I have a lot of games that are not getting played. Yeah, and I am spending money <laughs> on a lot of games that are not getting played. And there's a point of diminishing returns. I'm not a collector for the sake of collecting. I am the kid who took all of his Star Wars figures out of their packages to play them. And my intent when I back a role playing game is that I want to run this game. Yes, I do. Um, I do not back things for the purpose of having them. I do back yes. them for the purpose of playing them. Um, and and I think my current position on backing things on Kickstarter matches yours, which is just that if it's already clearly successful and I'm not going to have trouble getting it later, and I don't know if slash when I get to play this game, then I'm going to wait to buy it until I get to play it. Right. And then I'm going to be like, Ooh, I get to play this. I'm going to go buy that game so we can play it. Awesome. No problem. Now the reverse of that is if you are a small publisher and you are struggling to hit your goal and And I think your game is cool. Oh, I'm backing backing your game. Yeah. Like I want you to get to the goal line and I will back your game. And if when, if slash when I get to get it to the table, 
that's great. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. So I, I really only do that when it's like the juggernauts. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> we know that free leagues Kickstarters are going to be successful. 12 seconds, right? right? Like, 12 seconds yeah. fully, fully backed. Like, I mean, we know the evil hat is going to have a successful Kickstarter. I'm going to be able to buy that game later, whether yes. I'm in on the Kickstarter or not. Right. Yes. Yes. But, but something else that I stumble across on Kickstarter, yeah, or like, and I'm, it means also that I'm always super into zine quests still, because oh, yeah. those games are so fun and so good and such cute little one shots. And I have like a million of them on my shelf that I have not played yet. Yeah, like shout out to, uh, shout out to um, uh, like Mutants in the Now, right? Mutants in yeah. the Now, Mutants in the Next, very small publisher. Um and now running up against the fact that Palladium has decided to reprint the original Oof, TMNT, of right? which I'm like, you know what? I don't need to back that because no, I own I'd the original TMNT. And let me be honest, it's not a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, Mutants in the Now is the moderni- modernization of that idea. Anyway, that's a very small publishing company. I just back those right away, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah. backed, backed. I back free league games. Don't don't I don't want anyone to think I don't back free league games, but That's like yeah. I'm not worried about free league getting their thing to market. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, going to do it. They're going to be like, successful. Oh boy, like, but I will tell you the reason I do often back free league things um, is because when you look at what you get at a particular tier, yeah. they tend to do a really good job of like. And you're going to get this and cards and dice and a poster and a map and blah, blah. And it's like, you're not yeah, going to get that in the after fact yeah you could but you'll have to buy all those pieces individually and it's like i think i'll just go ahead and get that so it really is a call but i will say that that is the other half of this is that um consider right this is a personal decision based on people's finances and how they like to spend things but you don't have to buy every game that comes out yeah are you sure I, though? <laughs> I mean, it's. Just, I mean, look, I get it. It's an unpopular opinion, but um, as a person who has over the past couple of years been very diligent with my finances, um, and I have a very realistic understanding of how much free time and I have or don't have. Yeah. Right. I know how much I can actually um, get to the table. So, um, also, while it's nice to get Kickstarter money, I will also tell you as a publisher. That getting residuals as your product keeps selling does also not great. suck. Yeah. 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 So also good. Anyway, um, I think that was a um, a neat question. I hope you enjoy our take on it. Um, and I think we'll just we could spend another few minutes just kind of um, let's talk about positive stuff and we'll save oh the other boy. stuff for the lounge. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> I will say from a, um, giving me life from a gaming perspective, if you'll indulge me for a few minutes. Sure. Um, I had a game session that wasn't going to go off because Jerry and Chris were at Game Holcon. So I had two players instead of my normal four for Ox. And uh, instead, I decided to run a, um, a game of Dungeon World. I yes. wrote. I wrote an adventure for Dungeon World um, called um, Sphinx of Black Onyx, Judge My Vow. No, Quartz, Quartz. Quartz. It's important. I always say Onyx. Sphinx of Black Quartz, Judge My Vow. To be clear, you have been talking about this phrase as a dungeon. Yes. For so long that the last, the first time I remember you bringing it up 
I was driving back from my Boulder commute at a job that I no longer have. Right. So it's been like seven years, maybe yes. eight. Yeah. Oh, like it's been like a while. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I decided to write that adventure finally. And if uh, go Google it, if you want to find out where that phrase came from. But um, it's like the quick fox jumped over the lazy dogs. It's one it's of those the it's jumbling phrase, of those letters. Well, yeah. it's the phrase that contains every letter in the English alphabet. So it's a really handy one for checking out fonts and stuff. Ask me how I know. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was, I, I thought it was an interesting title. I wrote an adventure, a Dungeon World adventure about it. And then we played it. And it's the first time I've played Dungeon World in a while, actually, like in like since the pre-COVIDs. Um, and uh, I just forgot like how much fun, first of all, A, how much fun Dungeon World is. And B, because uh, I've been playing a lot of more, quote, traditional games, I forgot how much fun a PBTA game is in terms of uh, taking soft and hard moves and coming up with, you know, um, worse outcomes, hard bargains, all of those things and had like just a totally fun time. And a couple, I, if you remember a couple months ago, I ran a... Uh, action movie world so this is like my second taste of pbta yes. in the last couple of months and i'm like man like to have a pbta game back i in the would mix. like to play a pb i would like to run a pbta game again like forgot how much i enjoyed that system and we had a good time we had the two players that played it were um they were great and um played through the entire adventure um i think it needs a little bit of work it's close I don't know if it's completely there, but I thought it was pretty solid and um, played well. It was fun. Um, I had fun just, you know, doing the GM part of that, taking my moves and stuff like that. So uh, it was an enjoyable night. It was a nice way to take a game that like, oh, we can't play our normal session. But I was able to, in a short amount of time, whip up something that we could go play um, and actually have some fun with it. So that's my that's my giving me life uh, gaming piece i don't know if you have a giving you life gaming piece but maybe a giving you life just no, life I, piece i have one because i don't think we've talked about it yet oh, by all means but Go it's ahead. been so long since we recorded that maybe we did i did finally um get to play an in-person game again um this month and um and it was super fun and we played a protocol game um, maybe I did talk about this already. We played a protocol game that was, um, the knives out basically sure. protocol story. It gets, it predates knives out significantly, but it has that standard kind of Agatha Christie, um, determine where you are stuck and why there is no external communications kind of feel to it. And, um, and what, what, you know, what happens to the bad guy at the end kind of thing, there's been a murder and there's a millionaire, you know, who invited you all to his island or whatever right and um you're all related to him in different ways um so that was a delight and we're working on scheduling um another round i think in mid to late january so um i'm like sweet we're getting there we're yeah, getting good. we're getting things going again so that's what's giving me life in in uh in gaming i think i'll just call that out awesome cool why don't we um why don't we wrap up today's episode? We'll head over to the Bamboo Lounge for just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. 
Cool. All right. So Senda, before we can wrap up the show, we have to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Do you have a blurb or should we just make one up? Sure. I'm going to, it's going to be a, uh, a bespoke blurb this morning. Um, yes. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you should also be listening to Misdirected Mark Plays, where right now you can hear Phil running one of his four games and it's called Children of the Shroud. And it's a very, very good game that I am super, super invested in <laughs> right now. Um, and just to kind of give you the taste, they are uh, magical urban fantasy um, kind of anime-esque with swords, which I am super into. And right now we are doing an undercover prom thing. And there's a lot of romance and a lot of prom stuff and a lot of feelings and also a lot of adventure and like undercover spy work happening. And I'm completely here for all of it. And boy, I don't know how it's going to go. And I feel like shit's going to hit the fan <laughs> anyway. Um, and I'm very excited for it. So you should check that out. It's very interesting. Both to hear Phil run his games. I know how he runs his games because I played in a bunch of them. I'm playing in one of them right now, but you may not know how he runs his games so you can hear him do it. And then you can also hear them talk about it, which is also Strictly very by the rule book is how I run my <laughs> games. Strictly like I am, couldn't be more, um, adherent to the rules. <laughs> <laughs> which is why chris always has to like insert like hey i looked up this rule later we did it wrong <laughs> i i like to think that when chris listens to this later at work that he snort laughed over that <laughs> statement i like to just like to think that that happened because um <laughs> following games to the to their rules and like adherent to 100 percent to the rules is never my style ever um and I'm okay with that. That's just me. Like, you want to hear how I run games? This is how I run them. This is how okay. I run games. Anyway, yeah. So you should anyway, listen to Misdirected Mark Place. It's really great. Senda. Yeah. Senda, please tell people the one place they should go if they <laughs> want to find us on social media. It's just one place now. You can go to misdirectedmark.com slash panda. And then you will find all of the places that you can find us on all of the social medias, wherever you happen to be, whether it be... The thing formerly known as Twitter, uh, the sky or the cloudless sky, the anyway, moving on. We're awesome at this today. We're just <laughs> wow. You are. It, look, it's snowing and I don't know. <laughs> snowing and it's before Halloween. I understand. I understand the problem. <laughs> go on, roll, roll through, roll through. No, that's the idea. Uh, yeah, once you find us in one of there those places, Phil, what can they do with that information? Hand it bring it back, bring it mm -hmm. back to me. There you go. Once, uh, once you find <laughs> us on the social media of your flavor or choice, leave us a question, a comment, something you would like us to think about, pontificate, give advice, etc. That is the transaction. You provide a topic, we provide a show. And the reason we do this, and this is the sole reason we're here, is to help you have more better games, right? We want to help you have more fun, and play more types of games, more games in general, uh, because there's a lot of positive benefits from this hobby. Despite what you read on Twitter, there's a lot of positive benefits wow. from this hobby <laughs> and um, you should get to partake in them. So allow us to um, clear a path, remove obstacles, steer you around things, whatever it is. We have decades of GMing experience 
like almost two decades combined of um, GM and podcast, you know, like we got a lot of experience. Let us put that to work for you to help your games. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider backing our Patreon uh, campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Bunch of things. I'm just going to really quick. You get access to the Slack Room for Life. That's going to get you access to uh, our community as well as Sunda, myself, Chris, Bob, Jerry, like all, Ange, everybody, right? Like if you're listening to us on this network, that's how you get access to us. You can, you know, hit us up and chat, listen to us, talk about stuff, whatever. You can join our Friday lunch, uh, luncheon where we sometimes talk about role-playing stuff. Um, you get access to the materials from, um, Children of the Shroud. Thanks. That game I'm running. <laughs> yeah, that game you're running. Yeah. yeah. One of those games you're running. <laughs> hard day. Hard day today. Um, you get access to that stuff. There's also another tier that has access to uh, our development stuff. And that is going to wind up at some point um, with that Dungeon World adventure. Once I feel a little better about it, once Chris has seen it and uh, given it a little bit of the Sneezak love to help polish it up. Um We'll eventually put that out for you guys because that is, um, that's the thing I would like to share with you guys. Like, I would like you guys to have that and, you know, you can also play it anyway. Um, thank you for backing our Patreon campaign. If you're unable to back our Patreon campaign, we understand completely. There's a thing you can still do that helps us out immensely. And a number of you have been a direct benefit of it. Senda, what's that thing? Yeah, you can tell a friend on whatever social media you are hanging out on when someone says that thing, because every now and then, not even every now and then, with some frequency, someone who is into games posts this post that says, hey, I'm really looking for new tabletop RPG podcasts. What should I listen to? And then everybody dumps a bunch of recommendations on there, but... We know that people have actually listened to this show because you all told them to in those posts. So thank you so much for recommending us when someone's looking for something that is system agnostic um, and just, you know, talking about games. That's what we do. And we appreciate your support in spreading the word. You can also leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And that's like telling strangers, right? But they do have to search us up before that really helps out. But we really do appreciate it anyway. And it makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside when people post nice things about us on the internet. So there's that also. So thank you to everybody who has recommended us or left us a review. We really appreciate it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Thank you. Alrighty, say Sunda. Mm -hmm. What game would you like to play next if we were going to switch from Long Live the Queen? Um, I'm almost scared to ask that question because I'm not sure I'm ready to pass on Long Live the Queen, but at the same time, I also get itchy about playing new games. Anyway, that's a whole thing. We can discuss that some other time. Yeah, wow. <laughs> okay. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloop! Yeah. Clicky, clicky. Did the 
clicky. Oh, hey, Ryan, we made it to the mics. Um, oh, man. <laughs> it wasn't easy, but here we are. We've made it to the mics. So Bloop. it's snowing. Just it, It's hilarious because we're on opposite sides of the country. It's snowing right now by you. And I have all my windows open in an attempt to plunge my house under 70 degrees. Yeah. Like. That's I'm where, like literally, that's where we are. I'm literally watching the snow and it's currently 30 degrees out. The low tonight is like 14. <laughs> that would require me to go into my hallway closet and go get um, all of my winter gear, which I have, right? Like easily accessible, yeah. but that would require me to move my winter gear to my um, coat rack. Anyway, yeah, that's what's happening. Anyway, we're going to make this short episode. Here we go. So moving right along. And here we go. Bloop. Do, do, do. Show me what you got. Yeah, yeah. Show me what you got. 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 